0: Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic.
1: And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic.
0: In today's episode, we're talking about a recent Arizona Supreme Court ruling that affects same-sex marriage in this state.
1: Superficially, the ruling seems like it only affects one business. But it could have broad impacts across Arizona and maybe even rise to the US Supreme Court.
0: So Ron, give us the background on this case and the recent ruling.
1: Right. So in 2016, the owners of Brush and Nib Studio, which makes art for wedding invitations and other special events, sued the city of Phoenix over its anti-discrimination ordinance. The owners, Joanna Duca and Brianna Koski, said they did not want to be required to give custom invitations to same-sex weddings because that runs contrary to their religious belief that marriage is the union of one man and one woman. The city argued that the owners didn't have to endorse any particular marriage with their invitations, only that they couldn't discriminate against same-sex couples by refusing them a service their business provides to other people. So, in a 4-3 ruling last week, Arizona's Supreme Court ruled that business owners could deny custom service to same-sex couples because of their religious-based objections. The court decided the business still had to sell same-sex couples generic invitations, and it didn't overturn the city's ordinance, which Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego described as a quasi-victory.
0: The City of Phoenix's non-discrimination ordinance still stands. That means that non-discrimination ordinances in other communities such as Tucson, Tempe, Flagstaff, and Bisbee also still stand. Today's Today's decision is not a win, but it is not a loss. It means we will continue to have a debate over equality in this community. We are in the middle of a robust debate on equality and one that I think will continue. But the City of Phoenix is standing firmly in support of equality, and our ordinance does still stand.
1: The ruling could be appealed, which could send the issue to the U.S. Supreme Court. In 2018, the High Court dodged deciding a Colorado case involving a company that bakes wedding cakes and a state law forbidding discrimination. That left unanswered the core question of whether the right of religious freedom tops protections against discrimination by businesses.
0: Here to talk about that with us is Jessica Bame, a Republic reporter who covers the city of Phoenix, and Sean McKinnon, an editor who has written about legal rights for the LGBTQ community before. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: So let's start by talking about Arizona's history with same-sex marriage. Sean, I know you've covered this in the past. I covered the marriage equality uh, fight back in 2014 when,
2: when the whole country was kind of undergoing that shift. Uh, we had two lawsuits here in Arizona uh, to challenge Arizona's uh, existing ban on same-sex marriages. Um, one of them was filed by Lambda Legal, which is a national organization that was working state by state to try to overturn these laws. The The more interesting one, to me anyway, was, a, was one that originated here in Arizona in a very grassroots way. Um, a, a couple from Maricopa met a lawyer at their church, and they started talking about it a little bit. And they said, well, why can't we challenge it? And the lawyer said, that's a good question. Why can't we? And so he took the case. He even he even did a pro bono. And over the next couple of months, they made their arguments. And in the end, a district judge here in Arizona, a federal district judge, uh, overturned Arizona's ban on, on same-sex marriage. And uh, we joined the rest of the nation a year later when the Supreme Court uh, said that the law wouldn't stand anywhere.
1: Right. That was the last big decision in Arizona that people saw as a landmark ruling on same sex marriage. Is that correct?
2: It is. There have been a few attempts since then to to sort of fiddle with some of the other laws. Uh, nothing has really happened uh, for example, adoption by same sex couples is legal in Arizona for the most part. Um there are a few restrictions um a, a, a a couple want, who wants to adopt a child together has to be married, which is the same requirement for all couples. Um, there, is a, there is a provision in the law that, that says in an adoption, preference has to be given to uh, a couple who is a man and a woman. But that hasn't uh, hurt a lot of people because there are a lot of kids available, for example, through the foster system. But that, there is that one restriction still remaining in the law.
0: So let's talk a little bit more specifically about the City of Phoenix's non discrimination ordinance that is being challenged with this ruling. What is it, Jessica? So the
3: city of Phoenix has had a non-discrimination ordinance since 1964. But in 2013, it was amended to also protect against discrimination uh, on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. And that's the part of the ordinance that's being challenged with these lawsuits. So basically, the point of the ordinance both the original one and the amended one, is to require businesses who are going to do business in our marketplace to serve all members of our community regardless of protected classes.
0: What then does this ruling from the high court mean in the immediate future for the city's ordinance?
3: So likely we're not going to see an immediate impact of this ruling. It was a very narrow decision that the court made. They tried to say that their decision that this uh, wedding invitation company uh, could choose not to produce custom invitations for same-sex couples was only applying to them and only applying to a certain type of product that they offer. So nothing changes about the ordinance, but of course, I think many people believe that this is creating a framework that other people will use to try to challenge the ordinance in the near future.
1: Speaking of manufacturing, you um give us a little better sense of the the people, the parties in this case, and how it sort of came to be.
3: Sure. So Alliance Defending Freedom is a Scottsdale-based group, but they work nationally. They take cases like this. They're a legal defense fund. And what is interesting about this case is that there has never been a same-sex couple that has tried to order custom invitations from this company. So that's led a lot of people to believe that this was manufactured in some way, that perhaps Alliance Defending Freedom was trying to find a plaintiff to bring this lawsuit. I have learned that one of the uh, women who is involved in this business also works for a political consulting firm that uh, works with a lot of the social conservative groups here in Arizona. So there's some question as to whether this was a, a truly organic uh, lawsuit.
2: And one of the interesting things about this case is that there was no uh, couple that came to this business and said, we'd like to, to buy custom invitations. And that differs from a case in Colorado that the U.S. Supreme Court picked up. In, in uh, Colorado, they have an, a similar non discrimination law. And in that case, a couple went to a baker and said they wanted a wedding cake. Uh, the baker said, no, they, they couldn't do that because it went against their beliefs. Uh, the couple challenged that decision, and it actually ended up going to the U.S. Supreme Court. That could have set up a chance for the court to rule on these laws. But instead, they took a very narrow uh, ruling that was based not on the actual parts of the law that were challenged, but uh, on uh, on an issue about what some of the members of a, of a state committee said when they were talking about the case. And so it left the, the main question still open for future challenges.
0: So do we have a sense as to whether Phoenix will appeal or could the state go to the Supreme Court?
3: Yeah, there's still... Considering that they they weren't gonna offer me a a definitive on that this week, but I will say that it didn't seem like they were super eager to. I mean, obviously, with some of the changes that have occurred on the court, I think um, some of the more progressive members of our society are a little cautious about this uh, heading before that particular body at this point. I will say that there are a bunch of similar cases making their way through legal systems in uh, states across the country. And so uh, Mayor Gallego had made a comment that, you know, it might be better to put their resources towards, you know, helping a case in one of those other states to try and uh, get a more firm ruling nationally.
1: Arizona, of course, has had a change to the composition of its own Supreme Court. And we had an episode on that two weeks ago that I recommend if you want to get up to speed on what all that means. Um, how did Arizona's LGBT community react to this ruling?
3: It seemed as though the community felt that even though this was narrow and you know, people were trying to make sure that they understood that the ordinance would still be intact, that this still felt like a chip away at their rights. And I think there is a lot of concern about what this means moving forward and if this opens the door for constant litigation. um, And I I think that there probably will be more lawsuits. I think that's pretty much a given.
1: Sean, so how how far ranging can this ruling go? What, What other... Areas can this possibly begin to um, move into that people might want to think about?
2: This ruling obviously was, was pretty narrow, but I guess it would depend on who decided they wanted to challenge uh, an, in another place or if they wanted to challenge another law. Arizona doesn't have a statewide non-discrimination law, and Governor Ducey has said in recent days he sees no reason to uh, to add sexual orientation to uh, to our statewide civil rights laws. Some of the cities in the state of Phoenix, Tucson, Tempe, Flagstaff have have these ordinances in place, but if you live in a city that doesn't, then you're not protected. Um, you could get fired. Uh, you could. Be denied an apartment. You could be denied services from a doctor, for example. And if you don't have the resources to try to challenge that, then you're kind of left to, to whatever happens. Um, I'm seeing some reaction, for example, from some of my friends on Facebook who are a little concerned, not that this is going to, to turn, us into, turn it into to a really bad situation immediately, but that it will embolden uh, people to maybe see how far they can push it. So if you're living in a small town, for example, uh, if you're living in Payson, you know, someone there might decide, well, maybe we don't have to serve uh, people who who are gay or lesbian, or maybe we can uh, sort of push the boundary on this. And so I think there are some concerns about that
3: yeah, and I just from attorneys that I've spoken with, it sounds like they believe this will go well beyond the wedding industry. Um, that's why there's a lot of concern surrounding it. And you know, it's important to remember that the ordinance, like I mentioned, doesn't only protect gay people, um, you know minor other minorities, um, women, we're all protected through this ordinance um, from discrimination.
0: So could this ruling affect? others beyond the basis of uh, sexual orientation?
2: Well, the, the crux of this right now is that a lot of these ordinances have carved out the exception that are related to uh, religion or, or sincerely held beliefs is one of the phrases they use. And so in order for you to say, I don't want to make this wedding cake, or I don't want to design these wedding invitations, you have to say, because of my sincerely held religious belief or some other belief Uh, And so, yes, you know, say a landlord in Mesa could say, well, I don't really want to rent to you because you are not married. And therefore, in my beliefs, you're living in sin. Or I don't want to hire you because you're a woman and women should stay home and take care of their families. Uh, But it it does a lot of the the, the laws right now do make you go back to that particular uh, proviso. It has to be related somehow to a religion or a sincerely held belief.
3: And, you know, now retired Chief Justice uh, Scott Bales uh, kind of hit this point home in his uh, dissenting opinion, and he basically said, today's decision is also deeply troubling because its reasoning cannot be limited to discrimination related to same-sex marriage or based on the beliefs of any one religion, but instead extends more broadly to other claims of a right by businesses to deny services to disfavored customers. And so, I mean, some of the examples that were thrown around in court for the last several years I've been monitoring this is, you know, what if you go to a Jewish bakery and they didn't want to make something you were going to use to celebrate Christmas or, you know, there, this isn't exclusive to Christianity. Other um, religions could use this as well.
1: How do you ask or come to know what people are using these products for?
3: The court tried to draw that line and say that you have to be able to prove that you are opposed to the message and not the person. So with this, it was the message of writing two names of the same sex. They couldn't just see uh, two gay people walk in the door and ask them if they were gay and say, we're not going to serve you. It's trying to find that line, but it's really difficult.
2: And, And I think that it could become more difficult for example, I could call a baker and say, I'd like you to, to create a beautiful wedding cake, but I don't want you to say anything on it. I don't want you to put a topper on it. I just want it to be the most beautiful cake you can design. And then you know, later at, at the wedding, I can put whatever topper on it I want. Well, then the business has to make that choice. Are they going to ask me, well, are you making a cake for Jack and Janet or Jack and Jack? And that gets a little sticky because then it's not just about their their design of the cake; it becomes they have to ask me a question that goes beyond just the message that they are not actually creating.
1: All of that just sounds really invasive. Um, it, it just sounds like we we're going to a totally new place uh, in in our business dealings.
2: And and it, and especially in small towns, I think that could become a bigger issue here in Phoenix you have a lot of options. So if you go to a baker, for example, and they say, well, no, I'm not gonna design a cake for your same-sex wedding, there's probably a half a dozen other bakers that you could go and, and find someone who'll be happy to do that. If you live in Payson or in Yuma or in Flagstaff, and a baker says no, you may be left with really no other option. Or if you want some invitations there that are designed just for you, and they say, we don't work with same-sex couples, you're not going to to be able to you'd probably have to then go to phoenix or accept something that isn't as custom designed and you know i've heard people talk about already that that a lawsuit like this could lead to the situation where we have two classes of businesses where you pull out your little directory and say this this list will do things for me if i'm looking for a gay wedding cake this list will do things for me if i'm looking for something that is more traditional and we could find out we could find ourselves with you know blue and red business districts down the road.
0: All right listeners, let's dive into some political afterthoughts examining the different angles of this. It seems as though we've become accustomed to having these sorts of conversations around religious freedom, what should be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed based on the sincerely held beliefs that we all have. We all remember the debate over Senate Bill 1062. That's the religious freedom bill that Governor Jan Brewer ended up vetoing after a national backlash against the proposal. Do we have a sense of how the mayor and how other Arizona politicians are responding, perhaps looking forward on this issue? I would say... It went pretty much as you would
3: expect it. Pretty much down party lines, especially at the legislative level. Republicans were super excited and proud that the court stood up for religious freedoms as they see it, and the Democrats were concerned about what this could do long term. Um, There was some talk at the state level, as Sean had mentioned. We don't have a statewide non-discrimination law, um, and so there was some talk of bringing something like that forward. That's obviously come up in the past. It's never gotten anywhere. Um, I heard, uh, I saw a video for a. Governor Ducey kind of responding, and he kind of danced around it. He said that he didn't think that this was opening any doors for discrimination, that it was super narrow. So that's kind of what you got from the state level. The city level, what really surprised me was how stern the city was, that this was not a loss. Um, that was that was a big talking point, um, that they did not lose, and that the discrimination or, non-discrimination ordinance is still intact. Um, so they are definitely um, sensitive about that.
0: I feel as though we might see more of these types of challenges from this group, which um, has clearly been involved in this conversation and has really kind of led it for a number of years, this this uh, Alliance Defending Freedom Group and other social conservatives who haven't really had their way with Governor Ducey in the way that they did with Brewer on some issues. Um, Ducey, if you remember, I think about a year into his tenure, he kind of surprised people uh, given his socially conservative views, by allowing um, same-sex couples to foster and adopt uh, foster children. And this was, you know, a proposal that surprised people who just kind of assumed that he held the same sort of beliefs as people like Kathy Herod or Alliance Defending Freedom, some of these groups that would be very you know, opposed to this sort of uh, thing. Do we have a sense of how we could expect the state legislature or other groups, outside groups, uh, approach this issue perhaps once Ducey's out of office?
2: I think from what I'm seeing, a lot of this is still just the aftershocks from the marriage equality ruling four years ago. That was seen as a big victory for advocates of of equality, for LGBTQ communities. And I think you're seeing more and more attempts to chip away at that. Uh, It's pretty clear that the opponents of that ruling are not going to get it overturned entirely right away but they may try to chip away in, with challenges just like these. And uh, Alliance Defending Freedom has taken that lead in, in any number of states to the point where in, in New York City they're actually repealing part of a city ordinance that had banned gay conversion therapy because they don't want uh, ADF to come in and challenge it and, and potentially send that case to the Supreme Court. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more of these incremental challenges.
1: What strikes me is sort of the the broader context that all of this is unfolding in. Um, You have this kind of uh, ruling that is essentially uh, conferring a right to discriminate, albeit in a religious context at a time when certainly younger people are uh, much more tolerant and expansive in their view of what relationships look like and what's expected of them. And this is a state that is, you know, one of the fastest growing states in the country with a uh, very diverse um, population. And this is also happening, it seems to me, with um, Democrats, Republicans, liberals, and conservatives sort of adding at each other's throats in the courts sort of uh lashing out right now This victory for conservatives in expanding religious freedom and and establishing a right for limited discrimination is also sort of the you know the very thing that they're complaining about on social media. That uh, conservatives are railing against Facebook or Twitter, uh, excluding conservative voices and and shouting that that's terribly unfair. They don't want that kind of discrimination, but they do seem to want this kind
0: and it shouldn't be lost on anyone that Arizona was the first state to elect an openly bisexual senator to the US Senate, Kirsten Cinema, and that just happened last cycle.
1: Well, Jessica and Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners be sure to follow Jessica's reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking local. Where can people find both of you on Twitter?
3: I'm at jbame underscore news, and BAME is B-O-E-H-M.
2: And I'm at Sean McKinnon, and that's S-H-A-U-N-M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N.
0: That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget.
1: And you can reach me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N.
0: Today's episode was edited and produced by Marita Dominguez with oversight from Kayla White. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.